Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 192 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We're going to have some fun today. I think. We are. Uh, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell what we're doing. So we did this a little bit last year. We didn't follow through doing it for the whole year, but uh, Overdrive and more specifically our wonderf- wonderful award-winning app Libby is sponsoring Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge all 2018. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Read Harder Challenge, uh, on a recent episode, some of our coworkers talked about the fact that they're doing it throughout 2018. But what it is, is Book Riot um, gets basically surveys a bunch of authors and writers and gets 24 different reading challenges to take on during the year. And these reading challenges are basically... Challenging you to read outside of your normal things you would normally read. So different genres, different types of books. Uh, so we're going to, every two months, we're going to take four of those 24 and give you book recommendations for them. So today, we are going to do a book published post... I can never say this word. Posthumously? 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 Posthumously, that's right. So the first one is a book published after someone has died. The second one is a book of true crime. The third one is a book set in or about one of the five BRICS countries, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, or South Africa. And the last one is a sci-fi novel with a female protagonist written by a female author. Uh, those are the first four challenges you'll see if you look up the, the Read Harder Challenge, I believe, from Book Riot. Uh, we're going to give you some book recommendations for those because these are really fun things to do and they get you outside of your comfort zone in reading, but it can be hard to find some books on them. You can't see Joe right now, but she has a quizzical look on her face and I don't know what it's about. I'll explain it in a minute. Okay. Um, <laughs> so are we starting? Long go ahead. Um, yeah, before we do that, I just want to remind people, you can always reach us uh, on social media at ProBookNerds on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. The reason I want to point that out before we get started is we're doing four of these right now, four of these different re- reading challenges. Uh, but we're going to do the rest of them throughout the year. However, that said, if you are further down on the list and you're looking for recommendations and you're just stuck, shoot us an email. Uh, either Jill or I will find you a recommendation or we will ask our large army of librarians that we have here at Overdrive. So if you need us... We're here for you. Now we can absolutely start. We said we were going to send each other our. Books, oh yeah, so we, we never did. We never did. <laughs> so, but I think I, I think we're in a safe place. I feel like I didn't pick books that I think you. We, this is uh, this fine. isn't like picking books that are new in a month where we have a right. limited amount. We had a. That said, I'm going to laugh if like one of our first two is something. So you can start. I'll let you go first. And the first one we're going to do again. We're going to. Wow, what a sentence. We'll do the books published after people have passed away. Are we going back and forth? Or are we going... Yeah, we'll go back and forth. Okay. Um, the first one I'm going to do for this one is Ariel. I forgot to ask Still... you how many you have. Oh, I have three. You have three? I have three as well. Now. Sorry, I cut I you think off. almost all of them I came up with three. Same Okay. Okay, go ahead. Now, uh, so go ahead. the Ariel poems by Sylvia Plath. Uh, Sylvia Plath obviously died very young, um, unfortunately, uh, due to suicide. And... Uh, there's a lot, very old poems were, um, published after her death. There's a lot of controversy around them because her husband, um, Ted Hughes rearranged the order of the poems before, 
um, they were published, which is awkward yeah. and sort of not to be done with poetry. But that would be my first one is the Ariel poems. It's funny that you I have a book about things that were rearranged because the first one I have is The Trial by Franz Kafka, which has a similar story. Uh, the Trial is a novel that Franz Kafka wrote. It's one of, if you look up those lists of like the best 100 novels ever, this is always on there. Uh, it's about this character named Joseph K. And he awakens one morning and for reasons that you're never told about, he is arrested and prosecuted for a crime that you're never told about. Uh, this, according to Kafka's friend, this guy Max Broad, he didn't finish the novel, um, and he asked in his will that it be destroyed, and his friend was like, no dice, we're gonna get this published so people can see it, thankfully. Uh, it was published in 1925, um, and the part that I think is really fascinating about this book, and it's true, um, Kafka wrote a definitive first chapter and a definitive last chapter, and all the other chapters in between can be read in literally any order. There's no timeline in this. They don't talk about what days happened. And honestly, I've, I've tried this because I've read the trial like 20 times. You can pick, you can read the first chapter and then read like the seventh chapter and then the fourth chapter and then the ninth chapter and just go, like pick chapters. The book still flows. It's pretty crazy. So again, it's the, the friend kind of determined the way that he thought it should go and he rearranged it. Um... But you can read it in any order you want, other than the beginning and the end, which is a really cool way to read a novel. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. Next up, I have The Girl uh, with the Dragon Tattoo by Stieg Larsson. I knew you were going to pick this. That's why I didn't. I mean, the entire first three books of the trilogy, of course. Um, there's new ones now. Uh, so this is, of course, Lisbeth Slander. If you've read the books or seen the movies, if you're going to watch the movies, don't watch the American ones. Um... <laughs> Just had to throw that out That's there. True. Um, but I don't really think these need too much of an introduction, but I don't know how many people know that, you know, he, these were published after, you know, Steak had died. Um, and I, I love the first three books. The first one, it actually took me a while. Um, <laughs> we talk a lot about when, if you're going to stop reading a book, like how, how long you give it before you kind of quit. Um, and I think I quit, the girl with the dragon tattoo maybe two or three times before someone was just like, you just have to make it to page 100. Just make it to page 100 <laughs> and you won't be able to stop. And it was, it was entirely true. Mm -hmm. Once I made it, once I like made myself get to page 100, it was okay. But, um, and I just got totally drawn into the story, but that's yeah. Girl with the dragon tattoo. My next one is a uh, Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy tool. Uh, Confederacy of Dunces is about this guy, Ignatius J. Riley, who's this, like, big... They call him obese in the books, so it's not mean to say that. Um, he's this guy who, he lives in New Orleans, and it's like... He has this ridiculously overinflated sense of self. Thinks he's a genius, and it's described as the Don Quixote of the French Quarter, which I think is pretty accurate. But the interesting thing about this book is um, when John Kennedy Tool wrote it, his parents really believed in him and tried to get it published for him in his mid-20s. It was turned down by publishers all around and it ended up the author, John Kennedy Tool, got really, really depressed and he actually committed suicide in 1969. Uh, his mom refused to give up and continued reaching out to publishers and it was finally published in 1980 
and then the following year won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. So that's just a, I, I, I think that's an inspiring story of people who are writers. Uh, not just because you get rejection letters doesn't always mean, you know, that your book is not good. Sometimes publishers make mistakes. So uh, Confederacy of Dunces, the way that it came to be is very sad, but the book itself is hilarious. So yeah, highly recommend. Uh, last one is Dragon Teeth by Michael Crichton. This, what? No, you're good. Okay. I just love Michael Crichton. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this was um, sort of one of those kind of found manuscripts, I think. Uh, he did write it. This isn't like... Um, one of those finished by another author. Uh, it is it is Michael Crichton. Um, it was written in the 1970s, and it is sort of the forerunner to Jurassic Park in a way. It's about it's set in the uh, 1800s during the Bone Wars, which was a period of uh, fossil hunting, and it's about two real life paleontologists, and it it sort of follows a student um, from Yale who kind of goes back and forth working for the two. Um, paleontologists during this time. Before we started recording, I was humming because in my head right now is the soundtrack to the Harry Potter song, uh, movies. And now I'm going to have the Jurassic Park song. John Williams kind of day. Uh, it's a very John Williams kind of day. Uh, my last one, in my list of books you're going to get today, guys, are going to feature some classics. Sorry. Um, that's how I, that's my jam. Uh, so this one is The Mystery of Edwin Drood by Charles Dickens. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know I'm obsessed with Charles Dickens. He's one of my, my dudes. Uh, Charles Dickens never finished this book, and it is a murder mystery. And when I say he never finished the book, I mean there's literally no ending. And so scholars are always debating about uh, how, like, who murdered who and what actually happened. So just so you know, you will not be satisfied when you end this book, but it's so good. And then you can join the ongoing conversation of what actually happened in the mystery of Edwin Drood. Um, I will admit it's, it's pretty frustrating. It's kind of like if you're reading Murder on the Orient Express and the last like 50 pages just weren't there. It's kind of that's the tough part, but it's so good. And as this is my ongoing plea to have more people read Charles Dickens, so. That's my last one of that. Um, our next stuff we're going to get into is a book of true crime, and I'm nervous that we might we might overlap on this one. Ah, you look confident. I don't think we are, but I could be wrong. Um, so my first one is, all right, this is a little unfair because it's actually an advanced copy. It doesn't come out um, until February. Oh, never mind then. Okay, I think we're safe. <laughs> um, I, it's a false report. By T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. This is about um, rape in America. It follows two storylines, kind of, true stories. Um, there is a young girl who um, can um, says she was raped, and then when she's uh, in the police are sort of interrogating her and asking her questions, she confesses that she actually made the whole thing up. So that's the one part. And then the other part, um, it bounces back and forth. The other part is a um, detective's following a serial rapist who has, you know, very much a, um, what's the phrase, MO? Like a... Modus operandum? That's MO. Well, I mean, like, you know, like there's... He does the same things every time. Like there's like a a print of... of Calling card? Kind of. 
Yeah, that's a, you know pattern. You know what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean. Okay, so there's like a pattern to how you know. So they they know it's sort of the same person and and they're following him, and so you don't really know how these stories if they what happens if there's any connection. Um, I went into this totally blind. Apparently, um, it was T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong had written a Pulitzer Prize winning article that was the um catalyst for the full-length book and that i had never read so i really had no idea what was happening um if you don't know anything i would recommend going in blind because it the book was phenomenal it was very difficult to read um because they don't really hold back with regards to uh uh, details details thank you i'm having trouble you're good (laughs) i've had multiple cups of coffee today so i'm on my game um but yeah so it it was a really phenomenal read it's it's comes out february 6th so you don't have to wait too long but you know what's the name of that one again um a false report do you have a physical copy of that i do at home can i let one of my friends read it <laughs> i have a i have a lawyer friend who is a big old true crime nerd and she will very much love that uh my first one is in cold blood by truman capote I did not put this on my list because I knew you would. I love Truman Capote so much. Guys, I own like seven copies of this book. Um, so in November of 1959, in this small town in Kansas, four members of the same family were murdered by shotgun. Uh, and there wasn't any apparent motive for the crime. And there were very few clues. Uh, basically, Truman Capote kind of reconstructs the murder and the investigation that led to the capture trial and the execution of the killers. Uh, it's so good. Truman Capote is one of the just greatest American writers that has ever lived, in my opinion. Uh, in Cold Blood, I it's very dark, but it's incredible. I if you after you read this, I highly recommend watching Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman to kind of get uh, an impressive background into what went through Truman Capote's mind while writing this. So He was so good in that movie. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, speaking of great things, I personally think he was the greatest actor of all time. He's my favorite actor ever. So, Agreed. Him and Alan Rickman, man. Okay, next up, go ahead. Next up is The Innocent Man by John Grisham. I first, so I, I admit I love John Grisham. Uh, and You are not. You're not alone. <laughs> I love John Grisham. Um, and so The Innocent Man is actually nonfiction, and it is a true story. I read this actually when I worked in the prison, which was very interesting. But uh, <laughs> it's like... Oh, man. I mean, I literally was reading it at my desk <laughs> in the prison. It's <laughs> one of Jesus. those. It's one of those situations. <laughs> but um, so it is a, um, a young guy named Ron back in the 80s is accused and found guilty of murder. Um, but... There is suspicion that he didn't actually do it after all. And so John Grisham kind of goes into what happened and um, the the process of um, Ron um, finding him not guilty of the crime. It, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Um, and I always, you know, anything with the Innocence Project and reversing guilty verdicts and all that stuff is fascinating to me yeah uh my next one is american kingpin by nick bilton uh this is the true story of the man who built a billion dollar online drug empire from his bedroom and almost got away with it uh so 
if you've ever heard of the Silk Road, the guy who created it, his name was Ross Albrecht. Or Albrecht. Uh, the Silk Road was basically a website on the dark web where you could literally get anything you wanted. Uh, drugs, hacking, software, passports, uh, cash, poison, literally like anything you want. Uh, you can access it on the the Silk Road. And the guy who created it was known only as Dread Pirate Roberts. Shout out to him for the Princess Bride <laughs> reference. Um, but the Silk Road became a billion-dollar enterprise, and the guy who created it based, like was untraceable. Like, you couldn't find anything about him. Uh, and kind of at the last second, like the government was able to you know track him down. And this this book... It, it re- if someone told you this was fiction written by like Brad Meltzer, you'd believe it. Um, but it's not. It's nonfiction and it's a ridiculous story. Highly recommended. It. It's a really quick read. Um, it's American Kingpin, the epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road by Nick Bilton. I just put it on a hold. It's oh, it's so good. You're I'm fascinated it. by the whole Silk Road thing, just everything about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, there's some stuff uh, in Warcross, which is yeah, part of it that why we loved. About the dark stuff. Uh, my last one is Breaking Free by Rachel Jeffs. This is, uh, it is classified as true crime. It is a memoir by the daughter of Warren Jeffs of the FLDS Church. Um, and it examines sort of her life being the daughter of the prophet, as as Warren was known. Um, but because of sort of the crimes he committed as the prophet with regards to relationships um and and it talks a lot about you know that community and the raids that came and her father's arrest and all of that so it was really interesting and kind of um a deep dive into that culture and that society from she's out of it now i mean she doesn't you know not part of it anymore uh but she brought a really unique perspective as the daughter um, and one of his victims. So. I thought sure you were going to do the road to Jonestown. I thought about it. I debated. Yeah. And that's what made me think of Breaking Free, though. I think because I had talked about the road to Jonestown so many times, and I don't know if I had really talked about uh, Breaking Free. But yeah. I was it was a toss-up between the two. Yeah. Well, if you guys didn't take Jill's advice earlier in our, in our episodes and read the road to, Jones, road to Jonestown, it's very, very good as well. Uh, my last one is Shot in the Heart by Michael Gilmore. Uh, this is the story of Michael Gilmore's brother, Gary Gilmore, who is a very fam- infamous murderer. Um, he was immortalized by Norman Mailer in the Executioner's Song. Uh, he requ- he was this horrible, horrible person um, who was put to death at his request by a firing squad. That He requested that they shoot him in the heart. Um, and in fact, um, fun fact, Nike's Just Do It slogan is taken from his last words. So that's a little bleak thing that I know that now all of you guys know. Uh, but anyway, this is the story of how Gary Gilmore came to become a murderer through the eyes of his brother, Michael Gilmore. Um, Michael Gilmore is the younger brother of the two, and he goes through their whole family's dysfunctional past and... Um, the guilt he lives with and shame for both being Gary's brother and also, like, growing up, he was always clearly the favorite, and he wonders if, like, the way that they were treated separately had any impact on how his brother 
became to be this horrible person. So it's a rare look into a family life that you know really normally wouldn't get when you're reading about true crime types of stuff. It kind of reminded me of Ranger Games from Ben Blum, who was on the podcast, um, in a more extreme circumstance because Michael Gilmore's brother was a murderer, not just a, a bank robber. So, But really, really good. Okay, next we're going to do a book set in one of the five countries of Brazil, Russia, India, China, or South Africa. I picked three different countries to try and get one of each. I was pretty proud of myself. I tried. I got two countries. And this is where I was making the weird faces because I meant to listen to the audiobook to get the pronunciation of one of the authors. Mm. And I forgot. So I was (laughs) trying to look it up on like Wikipedia where they have the pronunciation translation thing. And I was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to attempt this one. So I'm going to go first with this one. Um, Apologies in advance for potentially messing up the author's name. But it's the uh, Three Body Problem by uh, Chichin Lu. Um, this is a science fiction book uh, set in China, and he's a Chinese author. Um, and, and it's the first of a trilogy, and it, it takes place during the Cultural Revolution in China, and it deals with this concept of um, the... I have notes. All my notes are, like, spread out over multiple places, and clearly not. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it uh, the main character witnesses the Red Guards beat her father to death during China's Cultural Revolution. And this singular event will shape not only the rest of her life, but also the future of mankind. Four decades later, Beijing police ask a nanotech engineer to infiltrate a secretive group of scientists that um, after a spate of inexplicable suicides. Investigation will lead him to a mysterious online game and immerse him in a virtual world ruled by the intractable and unpredictable interaction of its three sons um so it's it did phenomenally well in china and and was brought over to the u.s and translated a couple of years ago it won the hugo um and uh was nominated for the nebula also people who listen in know how you and i feel about uh books about online games well that's just so into them i do it's like our i feel like of all of our like differing book like all of our reading habits like that is where we our venn diagram intersects oh i'm working on a ready player one read-alike list for the new movie when it comes well the movie when it comes out um be a lot of those types of books yeah sorry not sorry uh my first one of these is captains of the sand by jorge amato uh translated by gregory rabasa this is described i haven't read this one yet but i borrowed it when i discovered it um, so full disclosure, we'll be reading it together if you do. It's described as a Brazilian Lord of the Flies. Uh, Captain, Captains of the Sands captures the rich cultural vivid emotions and wild landscape of Bahia with penetrating authenticity and brilliantly displaying the genius of Brazil's most acclaimed writer, Jorge Amado. So Lord of the Flies, group of young boys, they live, you know, kind of by their wits in these slums. Uh, they pull off a heist and things ensue. I don't know much more about it than that, but Brazilian Lord of the Flies feels like a pretty good way to hook someone in. Yeah. So, go ahead. I have Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. Basically, probably anything by Salman Rushdie would 
fit into this, but uh, Midnight's Children is a loose allegory for events in India both before and after the independence and partition of India. And so it's just, you know, Salman Rushdie doing Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie is amazing. <laughs> also, we did this without talking to each other, and we hit all five countries, by the way. Did we? Yeah, because oh, you, you picked the two that I didn't. Okay, excellent. Look at that. Yep. So my next one is A Dry White Season by Andre Brink. This is set in South Africa. Uh, ben Dutois is a white school teacher in suburban Johannesburg in a dark time of intolerance and state-sanctioned apartheid. A simple, apolitical man, he believes in the essential fairness of the South African government and its policies until the sudden arrest and subsequent, quote-unquote, suicide of a black janitor from Detroit's school. Haunted by new questions and desperate to believe that the man's death was a tragic accident, Dutois undertakes an investigation into the terrible affair, a quest for truth that will have devastating consequences for the teacher and his family as it draws him into a lethal morass of lies, corruption, and murder. Um, also, the cover is really beautiful. But that's A Dry White Season by Andre Brink, and again, that's set in South Africa. And my last one is The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. I love this book mm-hmm. so much. And it, it's it's about mothers and daughters and the Chinese and then Chinese-American uh, experience. Sort of the difference between generations. Uh, it's, you know, four women who grew up in China and then their four daughters. And there's a lot of flashbacks to the lives of the mothers and, and choices they had to make. And it's just, it's beautifully written and just heartbreaking and wonderful all at the same time um okay my last one is i get on the soapbox about charles ziggs all the time i also get on a soapbox about Fyodor dostoevsky uh, my last one is the brothers karamazov so i've talked i think i talked about this a long long time ago but i have a very i, I love russian literature and i have a very kind of emotional connection to it um i've always loved russian literature even when i was like a high schooler which try being a cool kid when you're like 15 telling other people that they should be reading like tolstoy and ibsen doesn't happen um but i have always loved these books and uh my dad's mother had dementia like most of my life so i never really got to know her a lot and when she passed away my aunt was like hey adam you like books right i was like um yeah podcast remember um and she's like, do you want to look through your grandmother's library and grab some books of hers? And what I discovered was my grandmother had all these Russian literature books. Apparently she was huge into it as well, which is great. So I have relatively new versions of the Brothers Karamazov, and then I have my grandmother's like 120-year-old copy that I'm afraid to open because I think it'll just fall to dust. Um, anyway, all that is to say, uh, as, uh, as a lot of Dostoevsky's novels do, uh, the Brothers Karamazov centers around a murder. Um, there's three brothers and they are all very different in how they go about life. Um, but they are bound together obviously by being brothers and trying to figure out what happened. And it's kind of a mystery. It's very philosophical and there's a little bit of theology in there as well. Um, but it's just when I mentioned the trial by Kafka being on a lot of like best of books of all time lists. So is the brothers Karamazov. And again, more people should, you know, I don't love what's going on in Russia, but more people should read classic Russian literature. So, and if you do tell me and we'll have a long talk about it. Okay. Off my soapbox. All right. Next up, 
This is my jam. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you want to tell everyone what we're doing here? The last one? Remind I have, it. like, very short notes, so hopefully I can translate into... Well, I was just going to... I mean, wait, what's the... Uh... No, I mean, I just have, like... A sci- okay, so it's a science fiction book. The female protagonist written by a female author. Yeah. Okay. I just have, like, written, like, this very short thing in my shorthand. Nope, you nailed it. <laughs> All right, so science fiction, female protagonist, and female author. Here's the one I was nervous about for us to... Um... Maybe. I'm going to start with uh, this. My first one, maybe. Um, Provenance by Anne Leckie. No, we're safe. Okay. <laughs> so Anne's actually going to be on the podcast on Monday. And I did got to do an interview with her. And so uh, if you are not familiar with Anne, um, she uh, wrote the Ancillary Justice um, trilogy. And then Providence is set within that same world. Uh, it gets described as a cozy mystery, which is just hysterical to me, but accurate as well. And it involves a uh, young woman who has one chance um, to kind of secure her freedom um, from this situation she got herself in um, by going to a prison space planet, like you do, mm, as, and, one does. Uh, like, as one does, and um, bringing something like something taking something out of it and it just things go wonky <laughs> and she does not end up what, with what she thought she did <laughs> she sure doesn't it's really good uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to say too much especially because Anne's going to be on the podcast on yeah, Monday so uh, there yeah Providence and Lucky speaking of people who are slash have been on the podcast my first one is Autonomous by Annalie Newitz it's my favorite science fiction book that I read last year uh, she was on episode 157, if you want to go back and hear us talk all about it. Um, Anna Lewis is a boss. She helped found, found io9.com. She is one of the lead writers on Ars Technica right now. But Autonomous, I'm just going to give you the short description. When I was pitched to interview her, the one-sentence description that I was told was science fiction lady space pirate. I was like, stop talking to me. I want to do this right now. I want to talk to Annalie. Uh, it is. It's really great. There's I, there's so much good stuff in here. There's robots. And there's... Uh, the main character is kind of like a pharmaceutical Robin Hood where she's like stealing super expensive uh, medicine and recreating it so that it's affordable for the poor. And, that's just, and then there's people chasing her. And oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. And... I just, it's so much fun. Read Autonomous by Annalie Newitz. I have The Year of the Flood by Margaret Atwood. Shocking, not no, shocked. What? No way. It's Jill's, like, quest for the po- the history a, of our podcast. Put a Margaret Atwood book on here. So my absolute favorite Margaret Atwood book is Orcs and Crake. Unfortunately, it is not, I mean, there is a female character in it, but she's very much sidelined. Mm-hmm. The Year of the Flood is the sequel to that and features two <laughs> women. Um, so Orcs and Craig takes place in this world where there was a bio... Um, um, how to describe it? I haven't read this one, so you're on an island right now. I know, and my brain is clearly... Clearly not working. Um, and I'm going to feel like an idiot when we stop recording because I'm like, oh, that's the word I was thinking of. There's like a biohazard that just like kills multiple people. And um, 
the year the flood picks up after that where there are very few survivors. Two of them are Ren and Toby. Um, Ren is a trapeze artist or trapeze dancer and prostitute at a brothel called the Scales and Tails. That's amazing. Amazing to me. Uh, plague. That's what I was looking for. Plague. <laughs> Biohazard disaster. There's a plague. I mean, no, but it's like a man-made plague. I know. <laughs> My brain is not working today. Oh, no. Here come the giggles. There's a man-made plague that wipes out most of <laughs> society and humanity. And um, so Ren um, ends up isolated in the club's uh, biohazard containment chamber. And then the other character is Toby, who is a god's gardener. This is sort of this cult-like type of group um, within this world. Um, she goes into hiding and is um, trying to escape a stalker. Um, so... Yes, this is the second book in the series. There is also a, th- a third called Mad Adam. Um, but for this particular female protagonist written by a female author, that would be the year of the flood. Yes. I, I think you can probably, I mean, it helps to know some of the backstory from Orcs and Creek, but I don't know how necessary it really would be. Um, I read the whole series, but mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Um, my next one is The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley. Not only is there a female protagonist, every character is a female. There's just dudes aren't even talked about in this book, which is awesome. Uh, it is set within a system of decaying world ships traveling through deep space. Uh, this breakout novel of epic science fiction follows a pair of sisters who must wrest control of their war-torn legion of worlds and may have to destroy everything they know in order to survive. Uh, it is really fun. It's obviously kind of epic and it's a it's kind of a space opera um but it's very very good and again the cool thing is like there's it's not like you discover a matriarchy and then there's some like random guy who has to help like there's no random guy there's no like oh plot twist a guy comes and helps save the world like nope just all ladies being badasses so that's the stars are legion uh, okay, my next one is Kindred by Octavia Butler. I've never actually read this, but it is on my list. And right before we came in here, I um, checked it out because um, it fits my reading goal of reading more diverse authors. So um, this is whenever like, I talk about reading science fiction or reading um, more diverse authors, Octavia Butler always comes up. So this book is, uh, is a first-person account of a young African-American woman writer named Dana who finds herself shuttled between her California home in 1976 and a pre-Civil War Maryland plantation where she meets some of her ancestors. So, yeah, sold. That sounds awesome. Um, my last one, I'm talking about diverse authors. I feel like I had a hat trick here. Uh, Midnight Robber by Nalo Hopkinson. Nalo Hopkinson is a uh, Jamaican female science fiction writer. What's up? Cannot believe I found that. I have not read this book. Cover is gorgeous. I'm going to re- going to read it. It was uh, written in 2001. It's carnival time, and the Caribbean colonized planet of Toussaint is celebrating with music, dance, and pageantry. Masked midnight robbers waylay revelers with brandished weapons and spellbinding words. To young Tantan, the robber queen is simply a favorite costume to wear at the festival until her power-corrupted father commits an unforgivable crime. Suddenly, both father and daughter are thrust into the brutal world of the new halfway tree. 
Here, monstrous creatures from folklore are real, and the humans are violent outcasts in the wild. Tantan must reach into the heart of myth and become the Robber Queen herself, for only the Robber Queen's legendary powers can save her life and set her free. Remember when I said this is the year of me reading science fiction and fantasy? I'm going to read this so hard. I am so excited about this. So, That's Midnight Robber by Nalo Hopkinson. There's a Caribbean planet. I, I know, and it's carnival time. It's carnival time on a Caribbean planet. What a cool That's, premise. I know. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. I'm all for it. Those are all mine. Yeah, we're good. Look at us. It's <laughs> synergy. So hopefully we'll be able to keep up with this more this year than we did last year with coming to you with some of the uh, the Read Harder um, challenges from our friends over at Book Riot. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna make sure we do. So... Um, anything else you think people should know? Mm, I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, guys. Well, enjoy. Um, I hope you liked all these recommendations. Let us know if you do pick any of these. We'll be curious to hear from you. And um, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.